Let's lift our hands, worship God, let's praise him together right now. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the privilege to be in your house, O Lord. Thank you for your many blessings upon us. We thank you, Jesus, for your wonderful truth and salvation. We ask you, Lord, to bless the word of God as we look into thy word here at this time. Touch our lives and hearts, God. Let your word be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our pathway. We praise you for all things. Thank you for all the Sunday school classes that are in session at this time. And thank you for all the morning worship services that will go on at this time as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to your friends, shake their hand, greet them in Jesus' name. Smile real big. We all need a good smile. If you're not sitting next to somebody, turn and wave to somebody. Amen. <laughs> God bless you. Praise the Lord. We appreciate all of you so very much. I brag on you wherever we go. Uh, yesterday was our 62nd wedding anniversary, my wife and I. And uh, I want to just thank you for all of your cards and your gifts and and beautiful cards that you send, all the kind words and everything. You mean so much to all of us. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so, and I especially appreciate having a good wife. Amen. She's a good girl. I want you to know she was the prettiest girl in the world. And I, I looked the whole world over and I found the prettiest one there was. And I'm married her, praise the Lord. Amen. And she's been just has been gold all, all the way through it all. Amen. Dr. Myers, many of you just call her that. Sometimes the, the people here that's not familiar with us, they hear the word Dr. Myers. The next thing you know, they call me Dr. Myers. I said, no, she's Dr. Myers. Amen. I'm just Brother Myers. Praise God. Well, the Lord's good, isn't he? Praise God. We've been all week in Ocala, and uh, we've been there for board meetings and then went into uh, our district conference and everything, and I am so glad to be home. Praise the Lord. It's so good to be back in the house of God with all of you good people today. We're glad to have Brother and Sister Duffy with us. Sister Duffy, God bless you. Brother Duffy spoke, I think, in a morning service, and uh, we'll be hearing more, I know, from them later on and so forth, so... I want you to turn with with us, if you would, in your Bibles to the 24th chapter of the book of Matthew. And uh, I'm going to pick up where we left off last week. Uh, we have been studying the prophecies of Jesus in his earthly ministry. We just call it the prophecies of Jesus. I know the book of Revelation is his prophecies as well, but the prophecies of Jesus in his earthly ministry. And the 24th chapter, the 21st chapter of Luke. And the 13th chapter of Mark is all the recordings of Jesus' prophecies on earth. And it began whenever the disciples pointed out to him what a beautiful temple they had in Jerusalem. It all started with that. They said, isn't this the glorious temple that we have? And it was a magnificent, one of the most magnificent buildings in all the then known world. Even the Roman Empire was very much aware of it. Roman generals were very much aware of that. And uh, so they sort of elaborated on that to the disciples did, to Jesus. And Jesus said, not one stone shall be left upon another. Well, that threw a wrench in the works. So when they got over on the Mount of Olives, where they could look across the Kidron Valley, from the, that's on the, the uh, east side uh, of Jerusalem, they could look across that little Kidron Valley and they could see the temple over there. 
And if you're there today and you're in that same spot, you, you'll see the, uh, what used to be the Mosque of Omar. It's the shrine. It's the, uh, it's the Muslim shrine that's there, golden, the golden dome and so forth. It's still there. Uh, it's somewhat of an abomination that's there on that property where that belongs to the temple. It's the temple property. Anyhow, when they got over on the other side of Mount Olives there, Jesus began to talk to them. And so in this 24th chapter is about his conversation with them about the destruction of the temple because they asked him three questions. When they got over there, they wanted to know about what all this was all about. And uh, Jesus said unto them, verse 2, this is 24-2, Jesus said unto them, see, see all these things, verily I say unto you, that shall not be left. Here, one stone upon another shall not be thrown down. Now, verse 3 says, And as they sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? That is, the destruction of the temple. Question number one. And what shall be the sign of thy coming? Now, as far as they were concerned, they didn't know if it would be connected, if it would be spaced apart a little bit, or how long it would be. Because Jesus had talked about that he was going away and he'd come again. If you read that 14th chapter of St. John, he talks about it in detail and extensively. And uh, if I go away, I'll come again and receive unto myself that where I am, you may be also, and so forth. He gave many parables concerning that about a king, kingdom, and he went away and he left everything in the hands of his loyal servants and said, I'll come back. And, you know, then he's going to require of them what they did with what was put in their hands. All these things they knew Jesus had spoken to them in these parables and so forth. So they spoke to him about the question number two, what should be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And they were not sure whether the end of the age would be the time when he was come or whether it would be the final wrap up or what. So they asked him that these three major questions. And the 24th chapter of Matthew is all about Jesus answering these questions. And he goes right on into them and begins to talk about them. In verse 6, I'm going to give you a little highlight here of what we've already looked at. He said, and you shall hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. Then we talk about this is going to happen, that's going to happen. You'll hear wars and rumors of war, but be not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. The end is not yet. It's going to be a while yet. And then it goes on talking more about all these things that's going to be happening, how they'll be hated about by other nations, and they're going to be persecuted, be false prophets rising, and so forth. This all did happen throughout the church age. Finally, in verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached, preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So what he's talking about, this 14th verse is all wrapped up, is the church age, what we call the church age. The gospel is going to be go out, it's going to be preached in all the world uh, for a witness, and then shall the end come. And then, of course, Luke refers to it in very much a similar way. Little, you me okay? He gives a little uh, word in this fashion. This is Luke 21, 9. But when you shall hear wars and commotions, be not terrified, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. He says the same thing that Matthew says here. Go ahead in verse 10 and 11, he goes on to say, Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes. 
He's talking about end time things here. Earthquakes uh, shall be diverse places and famines and pestilence and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. These things are all going to take place. But then he says in verse 12, but before all these. So this is where that he backs up and it's like saying, but the end is not yet. He goes back. He says, so, but before all these, and then he starts talking about the destruction of the temple, that first question they ask. And then he goes into that, and I think we've already looked at it. He talks about how that there's going to be all kinds of troubles. Uh, uh, for instance, verse 20, when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies and know that desolation is nigh, that's the destruction of the temple. That did happen in 70 AD. Jesus was prophesying of it about 30 uh, AD, about 40 years before it happened, Jesus was prophesying about it and saying all this was going to happen. And then he went on to say that if you're in Judea, flee from it and go away and don't go back. Uh, verse 22, these shall be the days of vengeance that all things that are written may be fulfilled. And then he goes on to say in verse 23, I'm reading down the very end of it, he said, great distress in the land and wrath upon this people, that's the Jews, and verse 24, and they, the Jews, shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. And that's exactly what happened. So Jesus digresses from talking about earthquakes, signs and wonders in the heavens and so forth. And says, but before all these, you're first going to experience the temple being destroyed and you being scattered throughout all the world. And that's where he comes down to. And he says in verse 24, I'm going to read this again. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Deal with the Gentiles. Uh, if you have uh, your Bible there, it would just flip over very quickly to Romans chapter uh, 11, verse 25. Paul refers to the same thing. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceit, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the, time, the fullness of the Gentiles be come in or be completed or be finished up. And so he's referring then to the same thing that Luke was talking about until the, the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And then when you pick up on, and I'm going back to Luke now, verse chapter 21, in verse 25, when you go to verse 25, you pick up where he leaves off about the end time. He's, you know, back over to verse, verse 11. He says in verse 11, great earthquakes, pestilence, fearful sights, great signs shall there be from heaven, but before all these. Skip the before all these. Back it up to verse 11. Be great earthquakes of art. And he picks it up in verse 25. And that's where I'm going right now. And there shall be signs in the sun. And in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations and perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring and men's hearts failing them for fear, looking after those things coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And here he's talking about the things that's going to happen in the last days. And he goes on to say here in this verse 21, when you see things begin to come to pass, then look up for your redemption draweth nigh. And that's what we are beginning to see now. I think this past week there was a, a big earthquake in Ecuador. Am I right? In Ecuador. Uh, I, 
but usually in those earth there is. I've read about that fault line they have over in Turkey, and uh, it's very severe. Every time that it it happens, about every three or four years, they have, but and it always moves from the east to west. And that fault line, ironically, runs right through Istanbul, which is the capital city of Turkey, and a has the multiple millions of people there. And that fault line goes right through Istanbul. I've read and studied about it. And each time it happens, it's always moving further and further west. So it keeps moving, keeps moving. And they said they fear that one day that fault line is going to really have a severe earthquake and it's going to go right through Istanbul and kill millions of people. And so I'm just telling you there's situations like that all over the world. And so in looking at all of that, uh, we know that we're getting close to the end time when the Lord is going to, to deal with all these things. But in the meantime, in the meantime, now listen to me carefully on this. In the meantime, the Lord is sending the gospel forth to all the world. All the world. Go ye in all the world preach the gospel. And that's what the commission is. When Jesus ascended into heaven, uh, just before he went away, go into Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Then he said, go ye in all the world, preach the gospel. When Jesus came, his ministry was to Israel. And after that, after his resurrection and was rejected of Israel, and he had pronounced the judgment upon Israel, just before he ascended, he said to his disciples, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. So I'm telling you here today that the gospel is going to be preached in all the world. Now, I want you to look with me in Luke 21, uh, I want you to look in 25 with me, Luke 25. Uh, now I'm not going to skip 25. I want you to go to uh, verse 28. Go to verse 28. And when all these things begin to come to pass, and look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. And that's where we are now. And he spake to them a parable about the fig tree. We've talked about that last week. I want to jump to verse 34. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. Let me just say one thing here. The Lord has chosen the preaching of the gospel in all the world. And he warns us to be careful about getting all wrapped up in the cares of this life. I'm going to, let me just say this today, folks. Whatever we as the church do, we must keep Christ first and foremost. You've got to keep. Neglect not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. He says, don't neglect the assembling of yourselves together. Prayer. We've got to have a prayer life. Every one of us needs a personal prayer life. We need to have a time of prayer. You need to, you, you, you got to fight for it. You got to fight for it. You got to fight to go to church. I mean, all kinds of things can happen. You know, you, just before you go out the door, you get a phone call. You know, it can be all kinds of things that will interfere with you from going to church. You fight to go to church because going to church is important. My wife or her parents used to come down and visit us every winter. And they'd be, you know, live in Florida. They lived up in, in the summertime. They lived in, in, back in Boston. And they'd come down here and they'd like to be with us, you know, in the wintertime. They always came in on Sunday. My wife says, look, you know we go to church Sunday night. And when we, and, and if you come on Sunday, we're going to be going to church. We're not going to stay here and visit with you. 
They right. said, we understand. You've already told us. We understand. That's what you've got to tell people that just come to visit you. But you've got to fight for all of these things that you might be able to do those things and not get bogged down in the cares of this life. If you've got your Bibles there, turn with us for a moment over to, uh, I think it's, uh, it's Matthew 13. Matthew 13, uh, if I can find it myself here. All right. Look at Matthew 13 a minute. This is, uh... all right. This is where the Lord was talking about the sowing the seed. And so went forth to sow. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man who went forth to sow the seed. He went, goes on to say, some fell by on the stony places. And right away, the, 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 the seeds died up. He said, the seed is the word of God and the ground is the hearts of men. And it's how that the ground receives the seed, whether the word of God is going to grow in the heart. Now listen to me carefully on this. He goes on to say the stony ground is like the seed that fell on the hearts of people who were very hard and cold hearted. They heard the word like water off a duck's back. They went on their way. It never had any effect. Others received it for a season. He says they were like the stony places. Verse 20. I'm looking at 1320. He said, he that received the seed of the stony place is the same as he that hear the word of God. And they received it with joy. Yet hath he not root in himself. So because of stony ground, there's no depth there. So a person will start out. That's why you see some people starting out to live for God, but they don't last very long. That's because that they, they are a type of stony ground. Jesus had already prophesied and spoken that there would be people like that. And so they start out, they go, oh, they're all excited. And you see them running around the church sometime, living, you know, all that stuff. And then you say, well, where are they? You know, I don't see them no more. Where did that happen to them, you know? And the Lord said, they're stony, they're, they're, uh, stony ground. There's no depth. Now, what's the next one, though? There's four grounds that's mentioned here. The wayside, the stony ground, and then there's the thorny ground or the thorns. And then the last one is the good ground. And look what he says about the thorns, which is verse 22. I'm looking at Matthew 13, 22. Uh, he says, he also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the cares of this world. Notice that. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. It doesn't say he loses out with God or he walks away or he's no longer in the church. He stays in the church and he keeps coming to church, but he never does anything for God. He never witnesses to anybody. He has a hard time living holy because, you know, that the fruits of holiness is just not in him. And they choked out on him because he's all tied up with the world and the things of the world. And I'm saying here today, folks, that we have to be careful of this. We as Christians, I'm talking to you now from, from my heart. We as Christians have to be careful that we do not get bogged down with the things of this world. I know we got everyday responsibility. You got to get up and go to work every day, you know. And I know that we've got to take care of our families and you've got to buy groceries and, you know, and our clothes. And I know we have to do all of that. But you can't get so wrapped up in the world and the spirit of the world. The Bible says, love not the world. That's a, the spirit of the world. Amen. The spirit of the age. 
love not the world or the things that are in the world. The, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of These are of the world and not of the Father. Jesus said that. I think it's first, where is it? First Timothy 3.16, I forgot, somewhere right in there. Anyhow, these scriptures, praise the Lord, I think are very important for us to put it in our hearts and say, God, I want to live for you and I'm going to serve you and I'm going to live for you. And the, uh, the irony of all of this is that the cares of, this, of, the, of the world can keep you and I from being fruitful for God. And eventually it can cause us to lose our soul. The Bible speaks of it. speaks about other places. The cares of the world, several places. It uses that phrase, the cares of the world. Uh, this is an interesting scripture over here in Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas hath forsaken me. This was a friend of Paul. He traveled with him. They evangelized together. He supported supportive of Paul. Went on and on and on. But look what he says here in this 10th verse, 410. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. In other words, he gave it up. He said, Paul, this is just too rough for me. I can't keep living for God. I can't keep sacrificing. I just want to get in the mainstream of life. He went to Thessalonica. Uh, that's, that town today is the second largest city in Greece called Thessaloniki. Thessaloniki today is the second largest city in Greece. And uh, this is where Demas went. And he went there and, and history says he got into politics and stuff like that. Uh, I've told this story before and uh, pardon me if you, you've heard it more than you want to hear it, but my son and I were in Greece, and we were in Thessaloniki uh, several years ago. And uh, the, the, the world, the city of Thessaloniki, is down below grade level, like from the top of that light up there down to the, to the floor level, from the regular street level today. As you know, ancient civilizations usually lower like that, depending on how many hundreds of years. That's been nearly 2,000 years ago. So we went down on those streets where Paul walked. I mean, actually, literally, you could, they've got them there. They dug it all up. It's archaeology. It's right in downtown Thessaloniki. And there's a big area that would be half the property here that of this of our property that church sits on back here. We've got seven acres, so it's about three and a half acres. So we went down and walked around. And you can see the buildings and the outline and the stone pavements. And we walked around. And as we were doing it, and my son, I remember, was over another part walking. I was over here. We were just talking privately. And as I walked, I made this statement out loud. I said, Demas, I said, you gave it all up for this? And I'm looking at that ancient city. There's nothing left of it. Folks, one day there will be nothing left of what we have. Right, right. And you have to understand that. Eternity is forever. And the Lord wants every one of us to be saved forever. Praise the Lord. And today is the day that we have the opportunity to say, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to walk with him. And I know one day this will all be over. And when it does, I want to walk streets of gold. And the Bible tells us that we will. Praise the Lord. I don't. If somebody says, is it really going to be gold? You know, be honest with you, I don't care. If it's not, it'll be something better. It'll be the goal was the best thing God could, could use as an example. Praise God. Praise the Lord. It won't just be a, you know, a, a phasy, uh, sort of a 
spiritual thing. It'll be spiritual in the sense it'll be heavenly, but it'll be a real thing. Praise God. And I want you to know here that your sacrifices and your walk with God and your commitment to God and your faithfulness to God, praise the Lord, one day, one day, praise the Lord, you'll have a mansion in heaven. Amen. You'll walk streets of gold and it'll be worth it all over there. Amen. And the Bible says heaven and earth will all perish. Praise God. But we'll have a place over there. And I looked at that and I said, Demas, I said, you gave it all up for this I said it out loud. My son was over there. He said, what did you say, Dad? I said, nothing. I'm just talking to myself. <laughs> talking to God. I'm talking to demons. You gave it all up for this? I said it out loud. I'm just, it just, you know, it just hit me, you know. And I said, you know, and I said, God, don't let me lose sight of my reward and the things of heaven. Praise the Lord. Let me move on here. I've got some things I want to talk to you about because the Lord says some very interesting things here. The gospel shall be preached in all the world, and then shall the end come, and so forth. Uh, he's going to have a people, folks. God's going to have a people. Uh, he'll have a people from all over the world. I want you to look just for a moment, Revelations chapter 5, verse 9, 5, 9. And uh, let me get to it. Revelation 5, 9. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open. This is when uh, the scene in heaven where Jesus was taking the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. This is a symbolic description of the, uh, the judgment of God upon mankind was handed to Jesus Christ. And because Jesus said that he would judge the world. Because Jesus, God, even though he could judge all the world, and he was in Christ reconciling the world. It was the manifestation of Jesus, God on this earth, as Jesus, as the Son. Praise the Lord, in which he suffered and bled and died. Therefore, it was in that manifestation of God that judgment would come forth. This is what this is all about. But that's not my point. Look at the ninth verse. They sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. Out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Now these, this represents the church speaking here. This is what the church is made up of. God's going to have a people out of every kindred, tribe, people, tongue, and nation. He's going to have a people from all over the world. He said to his, those disciples, go ye in all the world and preach the gospel. And he's going to have a people from all, every tribe, tongue, that's language, people, and nation. God's going to have a people, he's going to have a church. And until that happens, there's not going to be a rapture. Am I not right? If God's going to have a people out of hell, there's not going to be a rapture. I've wondered myself, when God said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, if we are diligent, we bring the rapture quicker. I don't know. I'm just asking the question. Is it possible that God has involved us that extensively into his wonderful coming back that he would say, if you do the work diligently, I will come back sooner because it'll be in every tribe, people, tongue, and nation. Praise the Lord. It's amazing how God has involved us in the kingdom of God, in the work of God. It's amazing. Uh, the Lord has involved us that we might be part of 
this salvation process, praise the Lord. Uh, in that 10th chapter of the book of Acts, let me show you something here. And this has always been interesting to me. In this 10th chapter of the book of Acts, uh, this is where Cornelius was praying. Chapter, chapter 10, verse 3. Cornelius saw a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, and an angel of God came unto him, saying unto him, Cornelius, Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Is that what the angel said? That's not what he said. I mean, he was right there. Why didn't he just tell him? He said, Cornelius. And then he went on to say, I want you to send a jopper for a man by the name of Peter, and he will come and tell you what to do. Why couldn't the angel tell him? Because God had chosen by people that were saved to take the gospel. That's why he said to those disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Let me add something else here. I'm, I'm quoting Matthew 28, 19. You well know that. He said, all, all, he says, all uh, power is given unto me in heaven and earth. I think this is verse 17, I believe it is, 28, 17. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Then he said, goes on to say, therefore, therefore, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And lo, I'm with you always. And, you know, baptizing and so forth and teaching and so forth. And, and, and the, uh, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. I'm quoting those last about four verses there in Matthew 28. <clears throat> so what I'm pointing out to you here is that all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go. Is it possible that our going is where God sends his power? Think about it. You know, a lot of times we say, oh, I'd like to see, I'd like to see more healing. I remember one time we had we had a wonderful service and we had people we had about five, six people getting the Holy Ghost. One of our brothers and his family was going out fixing to leave and go home, going out the back door. He said, Brother Molly, we, we're gonna go now. And I said, Okay. I said, Isn't this wonderful? We got five, six people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said, I want to see hundreds saved. <coughs> I want to see people healed. And that's what he wanted to see, you know. In the meantime, he's going to go on going home. Yeah, this is, you know. Now, what I'm pointing out to you here, excuse me a minute, is that God gave the power of God, praise the Lord, to us to go forth. That's why missionaries have such great results. They go over there and said, all power is given to me to have earth, therefore go into all the world. You know? And these missionaries go over there, and God is with them, and that miracles do happen. You say, Brother Myers, I want to see them happen here. They have happened here, and they will continue to happen here. I remember Brother D.L. Welch, who was my old pastor in Pensacola years ago. I, uh, I was born in Pensacola, and I lived there my first 10 years, and then moved to Miami when I was a boy. But when I was there, my old pastor, Brother D.L. Welch, he had been an evangelist all over, all over, all over the nation. And he, he came and visited my wife and I when we were pastoring in Port St. Joe, Florida years ago. He came to visit and spent several days with us there. And he told us one night, he said that when I would go into a city and 
you know, and they just sit and never heard the gospel. He said, I would begin to pray and say, God, send us a miracle. Send us one miracle. He would pray and pray and pray. In the meantime, he started preaching. He said, God, send a miracle. And he said, sure enough, when a miracle would happen, people would start filling up the tent that they'd throw up. And people started getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. People started believing God. So I'm just trying to tell you here today, folks. Praise the Lord that when you're on that front line, that's why you hear about missionaries going someplace over there and they're on that front line. God doesn't fail them. Praise the Lord. So is it possible that a lot of the miracles, praise the Lord, that happen in the world, that sometimes we just want to, we want to see them here, but maybe they're where God is saying, I'm opening new frontiers. I'm going into new areas, a new country, a new language. Who knows? Amen. Praise the Lord. But I'll leave it with this point is that this gospel is placed upon us. So, that angel said to Cornelius, send to Joppa for Peter, and he will tell you what to do. And when Peter came down, amen, and he preached to the household of Cornelius, there's a big crowd of them, and he preached to all of them. While he was yet preaching, the Holy Ghost fell upon them. They were all baptized and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God was upon them. And when they got all through worshiping, glorifying God, talking in tongues, then Peter says, now, every one of you get baptized. Line up, I'm going to baptize you in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. They got baptized. Plan of salvation is the same wherever you go. I'm simply pointing this out, that God has involved us. He's involved us. So when you put forth the effort to try to win a soul, to try to help somebody find God, whether it's knocking on a door or you're talking to somebody in Walmart or you're, you're in the mall or wherever you are and you're witnessing to somebody or you're giving them a track or you're giving them a piece of literature or something. Folks, always remember the Lord is right with you and he's behind you. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go. Amen. In other words, I'm going to be behind you. I'm going to be with you. Praise the Lord. I won't leave you empty handed. And isn't it a wonderful thing to know God does that? Would you lift your hands with me? Let's praise God and thank him right now for it. Jesus, thank you for your wonderful presence, your power, your great glory, your wonderful spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for all things. We glorify you, Lord. Thank you for the truth of God's word. Praise the Lord. There used to be an old preacher in, in America here named George Christoph. Is there any older saints that remember him? There's a few people, some of you older ones, you tell your age when you say you remember Brother George Christoph. Brother George Christoph was a Bulgarian. He was a little short guy, and uh, he, he, he spoke uh, Macedonian. There was an older gentleman, brother I should call him, in our church here when I first came called Thomas. Uh, Mary, raise your hand. This is your, that was your great-grandfather, wasn't it? Grandfather? That was her grandfather. Mary's grandfather and the brother and sister Thomas were great people, wonderful people. Uh, and he was Macedonian. He spoke fluent Macedonian. Brother Christoph loved to come here. And he and Brother Thomas would get together and they'd talk about old language together, you know. But Brother Christoph was a unique person. He traveled. He never knew how to drive a car. He rode a bus, never rode a train or plane. Rode a bus wherever he went. He traveled and evangelized all over America for many, many decades, many, many moons. A great guy. And uh, he was telling me one time, he says, Brother Myers, I was in Chicago. And he says, I'd come to the end of my rope. I didn't have no more revival schedule. I was out of money. Didn't have any money left. He never did marry. He's always a single guy. 
He said, I, I was on, I think he said Market Street in Chicago. I'm not sure if that's the right name for the street, but it was a street that was sort of closed off in the daytime, and they put, everybody put their wares out in the street. In the nighttime, they took them all in, and then the cars would go through there. But at night, at daytime, was all that. So there's one of these kind of streets. He said, I stepped off the curb, and I took about three steps forward, and I was so depressed, and I was looking down at the ground, he said, I had a 50-cent piece in my pocket. That's all, I, all the money I had. And he said, approaching me was another little guy, and he was an older man, and he had the prettiest blue eyes. And he smiled and looked at me and says, would you help me? And Brother Christoph said, I looked at that guy, and I thought, I'm the guy that needs help. You know, he said, but the guy said, would you please help me? And he smiled, and he said, those blue eyes and that beautiful smile he had. Older man, I mean, up in his 80s. Brother Christoph says, okay. And he reached in his pocket and gave him his last 50-cent piece, put it in his hand. And he said, the guy took it and thanked him and went past him. Brother Christoph said, I took two more steps. He would have had time to get to the curb by that time. Took two more steps, and I thought, that's a funny-looking little guy. You don't want my money. He turned and looked around him, and the guy wasn't there. He's gone. He said, oh, my God, who was that? What happened? He said, I looked all up and down the street, up and down the sidewalk. He couldn't have gone that fast. It was like two steps. He said, I got home, and there's a letter waiting for me. I opened the letter, and there's money in there. And the letter is from a Greek Orthodox priest out in California that had written him a letter and said, I was in prayer and I was saying, God, how can I get closer to you? What must I do to really know you well? And he said, your face came up before me. I know how, what you look like because I saw it in a vision and your address and I hope that this finds you because I'm, take, I'm trusting that that address that I saw in that vision is yours. And Brother Christoph folded that letter up, got that money, got on a bus and went to Los Angeles. When he walked into that Greek Orthodox church, that old priest came out and saw him and went, Oh my God, you're the guy I saw in the vision. And you're here. And then he turned to the people that were there that was working around in the church and everything. I told you, I told you I saw, I told you I wasn't crazy. I told you this is the guy I saw. He's come to tell us what we got to do to be saved. And that's exactly what he did. And you got to repent. See, God uses people. He uses people. He uses us, folks. And God has incorporated that. And if we will let him use us, if we will let him involve us, and be committed in prayer and in fasting sometimes and, and just walking with God and keeping the faith. And be a holy people. Be a God-fearing people. Amen. There's nothing out in that world, you know. Be a God-fearing people. I want you to know God will use us for his kingdom. Praise the Lord. And Brother Christoph converted that whole church all up to the Lord. Praise the Lord. He was in Pensacola. Pensacola got sick. And uh, he's dying. They put him in the hospital, put tubes all in him. He's in the hospital. <laughs> he's laying there in a coma. 
And he saw the Lord walking through this beautiful valley coming toward him. Oh, he said, Jesus. Oh, I'm so happy to see you. And he put his arms out like that. And while he was in this coma thing, whatever it was in, put his arms out. And suddenly, this is his story, the Lord did this. Nope. He says, not yet. Not yet. And he said, I saw the Lord going back, just going back. Not walking back, just moving back. And I said, no, Lord, no, 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 don't leave me, don't leave me. And he said, while I was calling, I woke up. I was in the hospital. Tubes all in me. I pulled out all these, 2 o'clock in the morning. He pulled all the tubes out of him, out of his nose, out of his body, everything. Put on his clothes, got his little bag, packed up, and walked out. He walked out past the desk. They said, no, 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 sir, you've got to go back to your bed. No, no, he said, I ain't going to die. Trust me, I know. <laughs> I'm not going to die. I already know it. Praise the Lord. And he went around and this is and he was up in years, up in his eighties then when that happened. And he came here and preached for us. And he said, you know, he said, the Lord said, not yet, not yet. I'm still preaching. He came here and preached for us again, you know, and for a while and for a season and everything like that. But one of these days, he said, he's not going to say not yet. And it was several years. I guess he went over about six. He was up in his nineties and then he got sick. And then I heard he had passed away. And I said, that time the Lord did not say, not yet, not yet. And he was ready to go. Folks, can I just tell you here today, the Lord's coming back. The Lord's coming back for his church, for his people. He loves us, praise the Lord. And God is going to keep his hand on us until Jesus comes. Amen. Uh, The Bible talks about the end time. I was in Ocala this week. And uh, we were there for board meetings and conferences. I mentioned that earlier to you. And... uh, I was at one building standing there in, a, in an older part of the campground. They got a lot of new buildings now. I was in one of the older parts. And I was standing there, and I looked at this little concession stand that had as old as the hills. And that thing was there. You know, they use it for youth camps and they, those kind of things. They open it up. After the service is over, they open it up, and they got you know peanuts and crackers and I don't know. Potato chips and drinks and all for kids to buy, you know. And I looked at that thing, and I said, man, I remember years ago when I was in Port St. Joe, Florida, and I was going through such a trial there. I remember I went to sleep one night, and I had a dream that I was at that campground, in that building that was just right there to my right. And my wife... And I and my two children, they were small then. We walked out of that building. And I never will forget this dream as long as I live. We walked out of that building and we walking toward that concession stand. And here I'm looking at old concession stand. And we're walking. This has been when my, now my daughter, you know, she's, uh, she's the principal of a sister Denise, the principal of an elementary school. My son's your pastor. You know, they're no spring chickens. You know what I mean? They're, they're, this is when they were kids. That's how far back it is. Sorry, Denise. You're still a, you're my little girl, always will be. Amen. But you know what I'm talking about. And, and in my dream, we were walking, and all of a sudden, the eastern sky, toward these, the eastern sky just lit up. It was getting light, and somebody shouted, and there was voices beginning to shout. And somebody said, He's coming. He's coming. And at that moment, I knew that the Lord was coming. 
And I took my wife by the hand. I took my daughter by the hand. And she took my son by the hand over on the other side. And the four of us began to walk toward that concession stand, but not toward it, toward the light that was above all of it. And that sky was lighting up. And I remember looking up and seeing stars shooting across the sky like this, you know, just shooting. And that scripture, you know, the stars of the heavens shall fall and they shall, you know, like shooting stars and all that. And I said, Lord, this is the hour. And what went through my mind was that everything else in this world did not matter at all. Nothing mattered. Nothing mattered anymore. At that moment, the only thing that mattered was what I had done for Jesus and my walk with him and my serving him. And I'm telling you, it was so powerful. I woke up. My wife was still in bed sleeping. The kids were in the other room there sleeping in their beds. I got down on my knees and I just went to the Lord in prayer. I said, God, don't ever let me lose the vision of walking with you and serving the Lord. One of these days you are going to come. Amen. I don't want to ever forget that your kingdom and your work and the gospel and saving souls is the most important thing that we will ever do in this life. Would you stand with me and let's just lift our hands and glorify God and praise him. You've been such a great and wonderful audience here this morning. Let's just worship the Lord together. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We magnify you, Lord. What a wonderful God you are, Lord. What a wonderful Savior you are. What a wonderful friend you are. You will never leave us nor forsake us, God. You're with us always. Help us to be faithful to you, Lord, as you are to us. Thank you. And we'll give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said praise the Lord. God bless you.